an off point. Uh, the last few weeks, we've, we've kind of talked a little bit around this idea that the world hates you. That we are not of the world any longer. And by that, we've become a target and the world is going to hate us. Um, Jesus made quite a surprising statement there in John 15. In verse 18, he said, "I, I want you to know something. The world hates you. It hated me first. But know this, you need to know that it hates you. Even though it's going to tell you and act like that it doesn't, it does. You and I are no longer loved by the world whenever we give our allegiance to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have renounced our citizenship with the world and we have proclaimed our citizenship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in the kingdom of heaven that's under the rule of God. And you remember that, that prayer, that the Lord's prayer where he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are trying to do that. We are now citizens of that kingdom. And Paul made a a great statement in in Colossians chapter 1. Boy, take note of this. This is such a wonderful statement for you and I. We give thanks to the Father who has qualified us who has given us the right and the ability to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Isn't that great? He says, He has delivered us. Think about that. He delivered us from the power of darkness and the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption through His blood and we have forgiveness of sins. That is a promise. That is a promise that we can rest upon. That you've been transferred from the power and the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you have been forgiven of your sins by his blood. That is a powerful promise. And this word here in Jesus, we have redemption. That word, I love it. It's apolutrosis. Man, doesn't that just flow off your tongue? Apolutrosis in the original language. Apo means from like the ultimate source of or with something. So from the ultimate source of God, something happened. We were redeemed. We were bought again. The word means to be a ransom paid. So in other words, you and I were being held hostage, weren't we? We were being held hostage by Satan under the bondage of sin and death was our only hope. But the Lord Jesus Christ gave up being God and left that heavenly realm and took on himself as the form of a man. And he came and he went to the cross and with that life that he gave, that perfect sinless life, he paid the ransom that now qualifies us to be translated from that kingdom through his blood and forgiveness into the kingdom of light. It means we were bought again. God, man, I should see some smiles. We've been bought again. You were held hostage and he paid the price and redeemed you. He bought you. He purchased you back into himself. And we are no longer in that kingdom 
we have been bagged, tagged, and like in the grocery sack, you got the receipt. And he's got us, and he's waiting for the day when he opens that bag back up, and we all go to be with him. That's why the world hates you. Because we have thumbed our nose to the world and to its domain and to give our allegiance unto Christ. We were lost and now we're found. We were blind and now we see. And we are on the way to a heavenly realm. But along that way we're going to face some stuff. And some stuff's getting ready to come at us. Jesus said there's a target up on you now. And he is a murderer from the very beginning. And he's a liar from the beginning. And so don't be surprised. The one thing that Jesus constantly says as he is here teaching is do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't let the world deceive you. Now, back to John 15 and verse 26. If you're there with me, Jesus goes on to tell us that you're going to need help in this world. Now that you're mine, you're going to need some help. I'm going to be leaving, and so when I do, I'm going to leave you with somebody that's called the Helper, and his name's the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the one who I'm going to leave to be with you. He is the Spirit of Truth. And once I'm gone and I go to the Father, I'm going to send him down to you all so that he can help you and that he will be there with you. Why, Jesus, why are you having to send the Holy Spirit back for us to be with us? He says this, Turn the page with me now to John 16. It's only a new chapter in the Bible. This is the same thing going on. He says, I'm going to send him to you because all of these things I am speaking to you that you should be made known not to stumble so that you don't get tripped up because they are going to try and kill you. He's, he's letting us know how much we're hated here. But I don't want you to stumble I, I want you to not fall prey, victim to this. And so I am going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. The word stumble there is scandalizo. It's where we get our word scandal. We've turned it into a little bit of something else. But what a scandal meant back in this time when Jesus was talking to him was that you think something is truth and right and you get lured into it and then the next thing you know it was all wrong and now you see the scandal that it was. And so, I don't... Yeah, Braden and Jaden, they've been back there fishing. Hi, boys. Now, I want you to know that they've been showing me their fish and everything and, and they've been catching them. You, lose, you use a lure, don't you, to catch those fish. You... Throw it out there. I like Gary Yamamoto Cinco's, by the way. But my favorite thing to watch is a topwater bait. Whenever you go fishing and you throw a topwater bait out there and you see that little minnow start to dance, that fish gets lured by that. He thinks that's a real fish. And that's supper. And he comes up and smacks that bait. And you set the hook and you bring him in and you see that you got him reeled in and hooked. That's what this word means. Jesus said, I want you to be aware of what's going on because I don't want the world and its system to lure you in and set the hook on you and pull you down and make you stumble. I don't want you scandalistoed. I don't want you tricked or trapped. So he said, I am sending the Spirit so that you can understand my word and you can understand the times that you live into. Now, we are living in some 
some times, folks, that we've never faced before in our lifetime. Other countries, other times, we've faced a lot of things. But us and our generation, we've not faced some of the things that's going on with pandemics, food shortages, closures, people, police officers doing what happened there. I, I want to stop just for a moment. This, Tanya knows I'm way off target now. But I just want to let you know that that was the power of darkness. It is not natural. I, I want you to know how blatantly out in the open darkness is becoming in our country now. This would never have happened a long time ago. People would do things under darkness like this. But you would never have a police officer do what he did in the public People taping him with cameras and talking to him and he's sitting there just all calm and everything. That is the power of darkness. Folks, there is powers of darkness that is starting to just make itself known without fear among us. We have to be ready and watching because I'm telling you, the world hates us as well. Um, says this in verse 4, These things I have told you, that when the time comes, you might remember that I have told you these things. Folks, Jesus is letting every generation know that the times come when you need to be aware of things and what's going on. The body of Christ needs to be aware of things and what's going on because we want to be a light in the darkness. We want to portray the love and what is right in the, to the world. We want to lead others out from that system. What Colossians said, from that power of darkness into the light. We need the gospel going out to these things. I am telling you these things because there will be times that comes when you need to remember this. That you do not stumble. That you do not fall that you are not scandalized. Be very cautious and aware. So I got a trivia question as we get ready to dig in. Those who received an email, uh, don't, don't chime in. <laughs> okay, trivia questions for everybody. Can you name me the 14 sons of, of Jacob, of Israel? Can, can, can we name the 14 sons? Wait a minute, I hear somebody saying there was only 12 Really? Let's find out. Start, start naming some. Let's see how many we get. Somebody name me a son. <laughs> Don't look. I want to just know. It's trivia. How? Let's name some sons. Benjamin. Joseph. Who? Benjamin, Joseph. Levi. Dan. Reuben, okay, I'm going to read them, you know there's 14, because let me, let me tell you what, what happened though, if you'll remember whenever Jacob or Israel was, was about to pass on, and he was calling the family together, the first one he called was, was Joseph, and Joseph brought his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, for the blessing, and he said, I am adopting them into my family. 
Whenever you go and look in, in the, uh, when the tribes crossed over and took the promised land and the land was divided, Ephraim and Manasseh had land, but Joseph didn't have land because he had adopted them as his own. And Levi serves God and didn't have a portion of land. They were the priests in the priestly tribe. So, so Ephraim and Manasseh took the places of Levi and Joseph. So he had 12 sons and two adopted sons. So there was actually 14 sons of Joseph. And I'm going to list them for you here. We have, let's see, where am I at? Right here. Reuben was the firstborn and Simeon. And Levi and Judah, the tribe that Jesus comes from, the lion of the tribe of Judah. We've got Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, and then those two adopted sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Now I want to talk about one special one here that, that we never think of, one of these special sons. And his name is Issachar. Issachar. We, we never talk about Issachar, do we? You never hear stuff on Issachar. But Issachar is very special. You know what's so special about Issachar? Anyone know? He had a special blessing. He had, the sons of Issachar had a special anointing from God and the Holy Spirit upon them because it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32 that the sons of Issachar are men who had understanding of the times and to know what Israel ought to do. They understood the times. These men were looked upon to help them guide of what's going on. They knew the lay of the landscape. They knew the social problems. They knew and could see. These were the ones who, you know, the feast days that they had throughout all those times. They had a feast of, of the new moon every time. And they, they would hold a feast on that. These were the ones who took the pulse of the nation, took the pulse of the society out there. But they were also the ones who were like the astronomers and the different things that helped guide by that. And they would be the ones who watched the moon. And at the exact time that there was a new moon, they would be the ones that would say, it's time for the feast. So, in our point that we're talking about here in Chronicles 12 was the time when, when David was coming into kingship after Saul. Only Judah and one other tribe wanted him to be king at first. But it said here that the men of the of Issachar knew the times and the seasons and they put their backing behind David and said God has anointed this one to be king and so then all of the rest of Israel followed through and said okay David is our king they were that respected among their brethren that they knew the times and the seasons and the changing of hands of God and they said yes this is the time and this is the anointed and they all became united behind the king so Issachar has a very special place in the word of God and so does this this type of thing knowing the times and the seasons that we're in 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 Genesis 1 verse 14 you remember we was talking about how they watched for the new moons and the different things because they had their feast days in honoring God for this each new month they, they praised God with things. Well, Genesis 1.14, God wrote in there as he created those things. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs 
for seasons, for days, and for years. So the first thing that it was is God says, I've put these things up here for signs, for landmarks, for roadmaps, for you to understand and to know things. So these men were those who had these kind of understandings as they went forward. So I'm going to pray that as, as the body of Christ goes forward in this age that we're in, that there will be people with the spirit of Issachar who can help know and guide into truth and reality. We don't need people with half-cocked ideas, wild things. You don't need all kinds of, of just ideas that are out there and not based on truth. We want the body of Christ to have nothing but the truth from the word of God. So we're going to need understanding and discernment going forward. I really do think that. So that's why I wanted to introduce to everybody Issachar. And who he was and what special anointing and place that he has in the word of God. And so let's pray for this wisdom of God to lead us in sound spiritual discernment as we begin going forward and aware of the things that are happening in this world because people are talking to me all the time about the things related to the pandemic and the closure of, of factories that, that make meat processing plants and different things. And what does this mean and are they signs? Well, let's not go off on our own ideas. Let's, let's look closely at things in the Word of God and what it is. So now, if you're, if you're following along, turn to the book of Revelation chapter 1. You know, Revelation was the most beloved book of the first century church and for the first three, four hundred years. More was written, more sermons given on this book than any other book that there was. It was the most beloved. And you know why it was the most beloved? Because they loved the Lord and they loved His Word and they loved the promise that He made. Look there at chapter 1. As this opens up, it says, To, to us, but this is the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave to Him to show to His servants those who love Him and have placed their allegiance with Him these things are the things that God wants him to show us that we should know going forward in these days. This is the only book with the audacity to say, Blessed are those that read, those that hear, and those that understand it. This is the only book that makes that promise and that statement that you are blessed. And they knew that. And so they dove into this and they wanted to understand all of this. Now, the next two chapters were to the church, the body of Christ. And a couple years ago, we went over all of those things. But we've got a lot of folks who weren't here then when we went over some of those things. Jesus wanted us to know what? Well, look at chapter 2. He said to the church in verse 10, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, and that you might be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. But if you will be faithful unto death, then I will give you a crown of life. You know, there might be a time coming forward that we might have to face this as a body of Christ. So, 
He wants us to know this in advance so that we don't stumble and fall and, and be tricked away. He says, I want to tell you something. There's going to be times... Revelation is like trends of history. The things that you read here are trends in history. And he said, there's going to be times when those who are in charge do not like Christians that because they are of the world system and they are going to start putting you into prisons and they might even take your life. But I want you to know this. Don't be led astray. Be faithful even unto death and I promise I'll give you a crown of life. I promise that. Then he says this to the next church. He said there, he says, I know where you dwell at Satan's throne. Really, how would you like to dwell there? I hope and pray that doesn't happen here. But he says, some of you is going to live there. And when it does, here's what you need to do. You need to hold fast to me and to my name. Don't deny my faith. You didn't even deny my faith when Antipas, my faithful martyr, was killed. You held on and you held tight. Antipas, we talked about him back then. I will save that for another time. But Antipas was faithful. Would not renounce Jesus Christ even when they took this cast iron bull that had been made as an altar to their God, the, the bull, and just like the golden calf back in Egypt. And it was hollow on the inside. And they would put some water in there. And it had hose in the nose hose. And they would light a fire under its belly. So that it would smoke would come out of its nose. And look all daunting and intimidating. And what they did was they stuck Antipas in there. And said renounce or die. And he said I will never renounce my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and they lit the fire underneath of that metal bull and his body went out and steam out through that he said Antipas was my faithful witness don't worry don't give in I know don't deny my faith no matter what happens verse 24 I say to you in Thyatira and as many as do not uh, have the doctrine or have known the depths of Satan, as they say, he says, I'm not going to put on you no other burden than this. Hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and keeps my works till the end to him, I will give power over the nations. And in chapter 3, he says, Because you have kept my command to persevere through all of these things, I will also keep you from that hour of trial which will come upon the whole world. To test the world. Hold fast that no one takes your crown. Folks, I think the message that the Lord is trying to give to us whenever times get tough is hold fast. Don't deny. Don't give up no matter what happens because I promise you. In every one of them, he gave them a reward for whatever they were facing. I promise you, he says, hold fast no matter what you're facing because I will be your reward and it'll be worth it he always ended every one of them with he that has an ear let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches so body of christ please know he wasn't joking jesus wasn't joking when he said they're going to hate you they're going to come after you you can feel almost the darkness emerging in this country right now 
We need to pray and get on our knees to stop that darkness. But sometimes the darkness doesn't stop. But let's hope that it does. I don't want that for us, for our kids and our grandkids. We have to try to stop it, but we also have to know. He says, I want you to know, though, these things, so that if it does happen, that you're prepared. And what you need to teach them and tell them to continue to hold fast in the faith that you have. And then we move on to Revelation chapter 6. And as the seals begin to get popped open, they open the second and the third and the fourth seals that are there. And the second seal says that this world, this trend of history, is going to be conflict is going to come up. There's going to be conflict. Peace is going to be taken. People will be even killing one another. Even to the fourth of the nations, the fourth of the people. But he says, I give you a promise though. You're not going to be hurt by the second death. Uh, Revelation chapter 6 verses 3 through 8 there the third seals open and I saw living creatures say come and see and I looked and behold a black horse came out and there was a rider on it that had a pair of scales in his hand and I heard the voice of the four living creatures saying that a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine you know what a denarius was it was a day's work that was your wage. That was a normal day's work. And so it says that the, the wheat would be a denarius for a quart. A quart would be what would be needed for bread for one day for one person. Barley, which was less of a grain than pure wheat was, you could get three of them. In other words, do you know what that statement is making right there? That the world's system is going to try to ration and fix the prices on food. World system, a one world type system of government is going to want to ration the food and set the price of the food so that you can't do anything else. Every bit of your daily wage would go to either support yourself with the good stuff or to support a family of three with the lesser stuff. And that's your daily wage and you don't have anything else to buy anything or do anything else with. That is what the world wants to cripple us with. I don't think we want that. But that this is the word of God, folks. I'm not making this up. This is the word of God. It's... It will be a denarius for a quart of wheat. Your day's wage will go to that. It is a price-fixing system around the world so that you cannot buy or sell anything else. That We go to chapter 7. And it says there in verse 10, Salvation belongs to our God. You see, in the midst of all of this stuff and this death, that that next horse that would come up was death and pain and, and suffering. But in the midst of all of this, there is a message going out from the throne of God to His people. And He said, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne. And one of the elders questioned John and he said, Hey, do you know who all of these people are? 
John's like, no, I don't know who they are, but I'll bet you do. I'll bet you know. Tell me, who are they? And he said, these are all of those that's coming out of the great tribulation. This, this schemes of men that's happening. He said, these are the ones that came out from it. But I want you to notice what it says about those who come out of that. What their relief was whenever the Lord brings them up there into the heavenly realm. Look at that, verse 16. They shall neither hunger anymore or thirst anymore, and the sun shall not strike them nor any heat. Now you know why they don't like global warming, because that's the sign that the end is coming. But anyway, that system is going to be so desperate that those who are coming out of it Whenever they get comforted by the Lord in that heavenly realm, it says that their comfort is is that they're not going to hunger anymore, they're not going to thirst anymore, and they're not going to be burned up by the sun anymore. I think it's going to get hot this year, isn't it, Laura? I've been seeing you post those things. I heard it's going to break 125 this year. Yes, it's, it's going to get... There's, there's going to be some things coming. But anyway... We, we don't have time to move through all of these, so I'm going to take you to, to chapter 13, because here's where some folks have been questioning me. We're going to get deeper next week, Lord willing, and, but I want to present it to you in the truth next week, so I'm not going to tell you which way I'm leaning on some things, because I want, it, I want you to come and I want you to hear the truth. But in chapter 13, beginning in verse 7, it says, um, here's something that you need to be aware of and to be looking for because the ruler of this world is going to start doing some of these things in that day verse 7 the devil is finally being worshipped through all of these things that he's put with pain and torture and food and forcing you to worship him and now he's finally being worshipped like he always wanted you remember why he fell from heaven Isaiah 14 Ezekiel 28 tells how he fell and it was because he had five I wills I'm going to be like God I'm going to place my throne above his on the north side I'm going to be worshipped he's always wanted this and that's what caused him to be thrown out when he rebelled against God and wanted to be worshipped. He's finally got that. And it says, all those whose names are, who are worshipping him, their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. If anyone hasn't here, let him hear. Remember, Jesus said, don't fall scandal to that. Remember what I'm telling you and be faithful even unto death. He says, don't give in. If you do, your name's not written there. Now look, it keeps. this is the patience and the faith of the saints. It's going to take patience and perseverance to get through this. For there's coming one who has the ability to enforce these things. And it says there that he's going to be able to do, it's going to be giving to him to do great signs and to deceive those who dwell on the earth. And he's going to, to cause, now look at these scriptures. He is going to cause every person from the least to the greatest on the earth to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And in verse 16, we read from the word of God that he causes all, that's all, both small and great, poor and rich, free and slave, to receive the mark on their hand, or the right hand or their forehead, that no one, no option, 
No one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here's wisdom. Now, what are we praying for going forward, sons of Issachar? Wisdom and discernment of, of what to know. He says, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding, remember they had the understanding of the things, calculate the number of the beast, for his number is the number of a man, and it is 666. And we've all kind of aware of this, and we've, we're all always looking for these things. What is, what is the mark of the beast? When will it come? Well, I don't know, but here's wisdom. Don't fall prey to it when it does. We're going to look at some things next week. But I want to share the truth with you and not fallacy, okay? It says he's going to achieve his goal through force of not being able to buy or sell anything to take away the economy, the freedom, and capitalism. And it's going to be a total dictatorship and price fixing and there is nothing. He will cause all to be able, if you're going to buy or sell, and just think that any of your possessions or anything that you have, if you needed to do something, you can't buy it or sell it. How does that happen, you say? Well, if you no longer have currency, dollar bills in your pocket to hand, it has to come through some kind of computerized, digitalized type of thing that they can put a freeze on your account if you haven't followed through so that you cannot buy or sell anything. I'm just throwing some ideas out here for you because we have to be aware of something. He says, this is the word of God. We are not to be surprised when it happens that these things are, could take place. The Bible says, you won't, no one can buy or sell except you have that mark. Uh, that they have that means food water pepsi anything housing car gas you can't buy anything no ability clothes shoes you can't get stuff because you can't buy or sell anything well this is a matter of eternal life and death folks of knowing these things and you say Preacher, why do you say that? Turn to the next chapter. Chapter 14, if you're following along. Verse 6. In the middle of all of this, again, we have the gospel being preached. And the gospel comes out with the angels that are flying in the midst of the heavens. And they have the everlasting gospel preaching it to those who are dwelling upon the earth. And with a loud voice, they are proclaiming, Fear God. Don't fear the ruler. Give glory to God for the hour of his judgment is coming, folks. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. Keep focused on who the creator is and who God is and not on who thinks that they are controlling what you're doing. So in verse 9, a third angel followed them and said with a loud voice, Now listen, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or his hand, he himself will drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. That's pretty serious, isn't it? And he, so those that give in and worship the beast and fall into the system instead of worshiping God who made the heavens and the earth, and he, he shall be tormented 
with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever, forever and ever. They will have no rest, neither day nor night. Those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Now that's serious. I wasn't making anything up there. I am just reading we people have been asking me and having questions about this and that's why i want to know the truth and we're going to search for the truth and we're going to pray for that wisdom and discernment going forward but know this the everlasting gospel of jesus christ is for us and we're going to serve and worship him and we're not going to be scandalized are we we're not going to be tricked we're not going to be traded we've got but we're going to need each other to encourage each other even so much the more as you see the day approaching as it says in Hebrews 10.25. To not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as the manner some is. Because we're going to need each other for strength and encouragement whenever we're going forward with this. But I want you to see what happens to those who won't listen to the gospel. And to those who fall in with this. It says that when they do that they're... That you are lost forever and ever. Those who receive this and those who do it would be lost. And I'm going to tell you what I what jumped out at me on these scriptures as I meditated on it this week was this. Who does it say that the fire that that is there and brimstone that will be smoking forever and ever? Who is it in the presence of? What's it say? The holy angels and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I think is going to hurt the most? Not only just being in the torment. But the fact that you had the opportunity for the truth and you didn't accept it. And you will see there in the presence. The holy angels and the Lord that you rejected. And that will hurt. Forever, If I had only pledged my allegiance to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is going to be the thing that will hurt the most as we go forward. As we get ready to close. Come back next week and bring somebody with you. I'm going to share some things with you that might give you some encouragement and comfort. Going forward. Okay. I want you to have encouragement and comfort. But right now. The gospel of Jesus Christ. These things are written. So that we might know. These things are what God wants us to know. And to understand. And to lay hold of. And, and he says. You will be blessed if you do. So it made a promise of that going forward. Whatever we're going to face church. We're going to face it together. In the faith and the strength of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hopefully we won't be here for any of this that happens. But as the worship team returns and we get ready to praise God, I want you to know this. you got to be born again. you got to pledge that allegiance to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's the one who loved us and who saved us from our sins in His own blood, it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 8. He loved us. He redeemed us. He bought us with His own blood. And He has made you and I to be a kingdom of priests and kings and to God the Father. So, believe. Be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, as it said in Acts chapter 2, 38, when Peter was there. And those men 
And women who were there, they were pricked in their hearts on that day as the gospel was preached, that everlasting gospel. And they said, what shall we do? We want to we be on the Lord's side. We want to be transferred out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And Peter said, repent. That we saw last week. That means to change your mind about things and to, to focus now on Christ. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is a promise to you and to your children and to those who are far off. Even as many as the Lord God shall call. That's a promise. And then he says, then you are freed from the sin. You are freed from the bondage and the chains that you had. Are you ready? Are you ready? I pray that every one of us knows the Lord. I pray that those who have known the Lord, that we, we refocus and we get ready. Because the battle is the Lord's. We just stand fast in Him. He said, stand still, rely on me, and the battle is with me. Let's pray. And Father, we just see these signs and, and, and folks want to know. And so we pray for truth. And so Father, next week there's going to be words of comfort. Words of healing. But we also needed to know that we got to not be led astray. We not got to be lured away like those bass out there. And the, when they see that bait flopping on the top. Don't let this world and its system lure us away. Our Lord, whenever he walked and he gave us the teaching of the seeds. And the sower who went out to sow. And he said that he sowed the seeds. And, you know, on three of the different soils... The word of God never took root. It was either hard and the birds came and ate it. Which was, it said that the Satan and the evil ones taking the word away before it can even germinate. And then there was other soil that was, that was rocky and, and hard. And there was weedy soil where the cares of this world choked out the, the cares of Christ. So Father, we pray that, that we till our soil up. We pray that the word of God fertilizes our soil and nourishes our soil. And those seeds that are planted through your word helps grow. And so, Father, we pray the day that those seeds of faith say that we will never forsake you. That we will never worship anyone but you, no matter what happens. But we pray, Father, on bended knee, that it would be thy will that this country is healed. And that it returns to you. And that you will once again bless us as the beacon of light to the world. And Father, we pray the, thy blessing upon each and every soul that is here today as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Step by
Amen. We fight a hard battle. There's victory in Jesus. Sing with me.